hearts. And that's where the devil wants us to be at. He wants us to be confused. He wants us to focus on what's before us when God is right there by us, you know, saying, hey, tag me. I'm here. I've been shot at. I've had a guy to unload a gun on me. All I could do was see fire coming from the gun, but I couldn't fire back. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you are listening to this Run the Race podcast. And uh, thank you for choosing this. I uh, hope you are having a, a wonderful day so far. And uh, this episode is coming out uh, on or right after uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day, his birthday, as we honor him. A lot of you um, you may have uh, the day off school, uh, the day out of work, um, but it's a, a day of service as well. It's important to, to, to remember MLK for action, because that's what he was all about. Uh, not just talking the talk, but walking the walk. And a uh, good example for us uh, decades later uh, that we need to, you know, action speak louder than words and faith without works is dead. And uh, as part of, uh, you know, this this week to celebrate him, we have a special guest on, uh, one of the uh, most important uh, leaders for Columbus, Georgia, but also for the whole state, uh, an African-American sheriff named Greg Countryman, a friend of mine and a very strong man of faith who uh, you'll hear, he talks about how it's important for us to practice our faith on a daily basis. And speaking of practicing, before I, we get to him, you know, I, I was uh, thinking about how, you know, uh, you know, needing to get into the Word and getting to prayer every single day and make that kind of muscle memory and make that a habit every day, just like I do with my running. I'm on more than 600 days straight now of my run streak, where at least a mile or more of running. And I uh, just recently had a, a, a 21-mile training run. We call it a progression run where I get just a little bit faster as the run goes later on because I have my next marathon coming up in just a couple of weeks in Gulf Shores, Alabama. That's the plan at least. Hopefully it all goes well. But you know, I'm learning through my running for for about seven or eight years now, the more you do it and the more you, you know, kind of get that experience under your belt with running or really anything else, the better you get at it and you become more efficient. Things become easier um, and you, you have to challenge yourself, but you're able to, to get better, get faster, and be able to run longer as well. Uh, and, and that's how it is, I think, with our faith as well, and our spiritual mindset, and our wellness in general. And uh, speaking of that, our last episode, hopefully you heard that, uh, Natalie D- Damask, um, a college classmate of mine, also a holistic wellness coach, talked about nutrition for the new year and biohacking yourself. And well, she, You have to go back and listen to that to see what that means. But our guest for this week is uh, Sheriff Greg Countryman. He was born in Plains, Georgia, uh, married with three sons. He moved to Columbus after his father was stationed at Fort Benning. Now, he was elected sheriff um, recently, uh, about a year ago now, and he served 16 years as the elected marshal of Muskogee County here in the Columbus, Georgia area, south of Atlanta, uh, for, again, the 16 years before that. Uh, He uh, has developed a junior marshal program for middle schoolers, really involved in in youth and the community. He's a 1984 graduate of Baker High School, again, here in Columbus. He got a a lot of degrees. Now, he said he talks a, a little bit about his learning disability. 
ability, having trouble reading and comprehending, but that didn't stop him. He's now got numerous degrees, including that associates from Georgia Military College, a Bachelor of Science degree from Troy State University, Master of Public Administration degree from Columbus State University, and a Master of Arts in Practical Theology and Ministry from Ohio Christian University. He also was bestowed a Doctor of Philosophy in Christian Counseling from St. Thomas Christian University. He's also a former adjunct, uh, assistant adjunct professor with Georgia Military College, so an impressive resume. But even more impressive is Sheriff Countryman's bold actions as a Christian on a daily basis. As a man, as a father, as a community member, but also as a sheriff. He um, you know, puts his faith out there and talks about Jesus unashamed, and that's a part of his job as sheriff as well, that that's really a way to, to fight crime more than anything else is uh, putting Christ first. So give a listen to what the sheriff says about um, being in law enforcement uh, during uh, such a, a violent time and when law enforcement don't get as much respect. And, and there are a lot of people that are anti-police nowadays. He talks about uh, faith, uh, Martin Luther King Jr., what we can learn from him you know, many years later, um, how to be a bold Christian, and uh, also dealing with, with racism in se- himself and uh, what he's done about it. I would like to welcome Sheriff Greg Countryman, Gregory Countryman, to uh, the podcast here, joining us here at WTV. And thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, I know we've known each other for uh, quite a while when you were marshal for many years and now mm-hmm. been a sheriff here in Muskogee County in Columbus, Georgia, for the last year now, yes. uh, three more years to go on this term. So, um, well, first of all, um, you know, we are going to be, uh, this podcast episode's coming out around MLK Day, Martin Luther King Jr. Day and his birthday, mm-hmm. and, you know, he always preached nonviolence. Right. And unfortunately, pretty much around the nation, and, and Columbus, this city included, we had um, you know seventy homicides, give or take, last year, which was a record. I mean, beat our record. We had like fifty was the record before, and um, so you know, being a sheriff in the midst of you know, kind of a violent climate, um, when you're trying to fight crime and coming out of a pandemic, sort of, you know, it's. I'm sure this has been a, a challenging time for you, right? Absolutely, um, it's been a very trying time, and we've never seen anything um, at this level. Ever. And so, as you said, that we had, you know, 48 or 50 one year, and we knew that that was bad. And then there's been an increase since then. What do you think, what do you attribute that to? Is it just people, you know, uh, does it maybe correlate to the pandemic? Or, or I know a lot of, uh, you know, these violent crimes are connected to, you know, domestic or drugs, that kind of thing. Well, you know, looking at the number of murders and based on the information that I have about 40% of those murders involved domestic violence issues. The other, um, some of those involved um, gang retaliation shootings of people that knew each other. And I would attribute, you know, we can look at things from from an earthly perspective, but we have to look at things also from a spiritual perspective. And we know that in, in times... Um, Um, that Jesus said that there would be an increase of lawlessness. Mm -hmm. And we look at what's happening not just in Muskogee County, Columbus, Georgia, but all over the United States. We look at what's happening all over the nation. And I think that that, that where we need to be looking at is that what thus says the Lord, that what is written, and if we can see what is written 
in the Bible that was already foretold, that these things are happening. And so the thing that I think that we need to focus on is for us not to be faint out of fear. As the Bible says that when we see these things that, you know, that we should be encouraged and we should look to the hills which cometh our help because a lot of times that we are looking to social media, we're talking to each other and about these issues, but we're talking around the issue, but not including God or Christ in this. Because if you, if we look at, and when I first started seeing this, I started hearing in my head, Second Chronicles seven fourteen, that when God was speaking to the children of Israel, that he was saying that if my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and he gave out the rest of the conditions. We serve the same God then that the Israelites served then now. So God is a God of conditions. And the first thing he said that if my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves, we're in a very arrogant society. Yeah. And we have removed ourselves so far from God and Christ and the things that were written until we are finding ourselves in a position to where it seems that God is so far from us when he's ever so near us. And so we have to get to the point to where we can turn our attention towards the heavens for our help because we are too dependent on ourselves. And that's where the devil wants us to be at. He wants us to be confused. He wants us to focus on what's before us when God is right there by us. You know, saying, hey, tag me, I'm here. Yeah, faith before fear, right? Faith before fear. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And and, and hopefully you don't take this the wrong way, but you sound no. more like a pastor than a sheriff. Well, I, I mean, well, <laughs> well, well, I am a ordained minister yeah. also, and so, you know, faith is, faith is primary for me, although that I'm an elected official. My greatest service is to the Lord. Yeah. And so, um, and so that's where I look for my, my, my strength and my help comes from the Lord. No matter what we deal with is that I still have to look at it from a biblical standpoint. Yeah. And, you know, uh, when you hear Christians, when people are going through crisis or maybe there's an uptick in violence or Mm -hmm. crimes, or maybe they're a victim of a crime, people say, you know, we'll pray for you or we'll pray about that. Um, Do you think that, I mean, uh, you know, prayer, you know, it's like faith without works. You know, mm-hmm. people say they're praying, but, you know, there needs to be action behind that as well from a Christian perspective, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because we can say that we are praying, but there is also what I believe to be the capacity of that prayer is that, you know, when we pray for basic things um, for a person's healing, is that we have to make sure that we are specific with God and that we are intentional with God. And sometimes in order for for me personally, in order for me to hear from God, I have to give up something that I love in order to hear from him or his Holy Spirit. And that's why fasting is, fasting is so good for the soul. Fasting is good for the spirit. Fasting is good whenever you want something from God um, that means something to you. And everything should mean something to us, but we have to be careful about what we offer up to God because we don't want to half give him something. 
Right. You want to mm-hmm. go all the way. You know, all the way. All let, the way. Let go and let God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I was talking earlier about how, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's around MLK Day. We honor and celebrate, um, you know, one of the greatest, you know, civil rights icons and leaders and pastors we've ever known. Um, you know, if for, you know, someone like that, as you look back on his life and maybe, or are there lessons even today, you know, mm-hmm. decades later that we can learn, that we can uh, hopefully get better at that, that he was teaching? Well, one of the things that I loved about um, Dr. King was that not only was he a man of God, he was not a perfect man, but he was a man of God, but he was courageous in a lot of things that he was doing, and, and, and he would always reference scripture to the things that he was doing. And so that's what we need to learn how to do in moments of difficulties and I look at that when even when Jesus was sent into the wilderness to be tested by the devil, that he was sent in, but the Holy Spirit went before him, and he had been fasting for 40 days. And so you knew that he was hungry, he was weak, and that's when the devil tries to come at us, when we're at our weakest point. But even when he tried to come at Jesus, he would say three things, it is written. And we need to have that type of study of the Bible to where when we face things that we can minister to ourselves and say it is written. And that's what we are that's what we are not doing right now. Because we have to understand that where we are, that despite what we see around us, that we have to understand that better days are ahead of us. Yeah, and the best is yet to come, as Absolutely. some say. And Dr. King also talked about, you know, uh, you know, even, you know, this is back in the, in the 50s and 60s, about how people needing to be judged by the content of their character, not by the color of their mm-hmm. skin. And mm-hmm. even in the last, you know, five or 10 years, we've seen, um, you know, uh, racial violence and mm-hmm. racism rear its ugly head. Mm-hmm. We had the incident with Ahmaud Arbery um, just down the road from us in Georgia a few years ago. So, you know, know as as a member of law enforcement mm-hmm. and, and as an african-american where do you see where we're at right now in terms of race and, and racism well i see that we still have some work to do i think that we have made a lot of progress and i think that when we see is- isolated incidents that we ought not judge that as how the whole world is is that that is a certain mindset i believe that um you know, is that when we see racism and when we see hatred, that those are things that uh, that are not of God, but of the devil. And so, um, you know, those incidents have taught the world that we should be better. And we see the punishment and the outcome that have come from some of these um, um, cases in, involving hatred. Those are the teachable moments that we need to understand that when we have hate embedded into our to our heart and when they lead us in our decision making that the outcome of those things can be bad and mean years in prison lawsuits civil lawsuits and so we have to ask ourselves that is hate enough for us to lose everything yeah have you had to deal with that? I mean, you uh, were born in, in Plains, Georgia, so you've grown up, you know, in the Deep South. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, growing up, or maybe even as an adult, have you had to deal with those incidents? And and how do you, you know, because Jesus talked about, you know, turning the other cheek. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how have you dealt with things that maybe you've had to encounter? Well, you know, I've had to deal with some other things um, that I would say professionally that my 
predecessors may not have ever had to deal with. Um, sometimes the way that I'm criticized um, by others when when others have done things a little bit differently, but I pray for them. I forgive them, first of all, because I have to make sure that I have a forgiven heart and that I pray for their heart and that I have to realize that is that they're not bad people, but hatred can sometimes take you to a place to where you are not who you who you are. And so and that's why it's always good to pray for the heart and to try to walk as Christ would walk. It's not always easy, but it's a good practice. Yeah. And, you know, I know, you know, you've learned a lot about prayer and forgiveness through your studies, numerous mm. different degrees, including, Absolutely. you know, uh, philosophy of Christian counseling, mm. uh, practical theology and ministry. So mm. with all that being said, how did mm. you get into law enforcement? What was it? Was that something that, like, as a kid, you wanted to be a police officer? Or Well, it started for me um, when I was probably in the fifth or sixth grade. I was part of a junior police program. The officer at the time was Austin Murphy. He was with Columbus Police Department, and I remember the sound of his gun belt, you know, it had this little jingle to it, and uh, and he wore like a bus driver hat kind of thing, but he was very, very friendly, and he was always smiling, he was always laughing, and when I would hear sirens, um, I would always smile, so I knew that I wanted to do something with law enforcement, but I really didn't know where I would be, because Growing up, I was a real skinny kid. I um, had a really bad stuttering problem. When I say stutter, it sounded like a car cranking with no gas in it. And then I had a learning disability. When I graduated uh, high school, I graduated in the special ed program, had problems reading and writing and things of that sort. And so I never th would think, I never thought that I would have a future beyond me just working in the grocery store or working in the mill or something like that. But, but the longer that I stuck with God, the longer my faith was there with God, that he took me to a place that I didn't know that I could go, that he was able to get me into a um, a junior college where I could not read well enough to pass an entrance exam. And so I would see my friends go to college and graduate. I still hadn't entered college or anything of that, um, of that, of that sort. But, uh, you know, but the longer and longer I stuck there with God, he he made a way for me and my speech got better. Uh, my faith got stronger. I was able to to manage my stuttering and things of that sort. And so that's that's why I stay so close to God, because if you know how far God has brought you, you will appreciate where you are and you never want to go back to that to that to that posture or that position. And that's why. I try to elevate people through Christ and encourage people through Christ every single day because that's my covenant to God is that every single day that I will in that that I will try to encourage others through Christ and I always want to use my position as a position of authority to fight for those that can't fight for themselves to be their voice for those that don't have a voice to serve the whole community whether if you're white black you're gay straight you're Republican, Democrat, Independent, if you're white collar, blue collar, or those with no collar, um, I just want to be able to, to walk humbly, but to be that servant that at the end of my service that God can say, 
job well done, my faithful and loyal servant. Yeah, and look at you. I mean, what, four or five at least degrees of higher mm-hmm. education now? So, like Praise you said, God look how, look how far mm-hmm. you've come. Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, unfortunately, you know, being in law enforcement – uh, these days, it seems to be it's it's a it's a different world mm-hmm. um, as compared to like ten or definitely you know thirty years ago mm-hmm. um, when there was a more of a respect um, and a reverence for law enforcement. Now it's mm-hmm. you know I think there's been you know um, numerous incidents and again like you called called them isolated where um, police officers have done things they shouldn't have done, or maybe, you know, there's an officer-involved shooting, and whether it was, you know, justified or not, it kind of plays out in the, in, the, in, the, in the public eye, in the media. So, you know, um, there's a different view of law enforcement today, mm-hmm. and, and more people are anti. So how do you handle that as, as a man of God and as a sheriff? Mm-hmm. Um, is that something that just, it's another challenge, another thing on the belt? <laughs> well, first, I recognize where we are and I try to meet the you know situation of the concern where it is but if we had if we had the courage early on to call out wrong um, from those that wear the uniform we wouldn't be having the having the conversation that we're having so a lot of the things that we see comes from our inactions rather than our actions I think that where we are today that we need to be able to restore trust we need to be able to build those to build those bridges, but it has to come from both sides. It has to come from the law enforcement side, and then it has to come from the public. And when you build a bridge, you build a bridge and sequence that when you come to the middle of that bridge, that everything meets um, with the same sequence and intensity. And when it meets that, that bridge should be able to allow anything to cross, whether if it's hatred, whether if it's racism, if it's a disagreement if it's a um if it's an officer involved shooting or whatever it is we need to be able to have a bridge between both sides of the community to where to where we can meet in the middle and understand each other and to see things from the lens of others and that's why i think it's so important that some of the things that we did in the marshal's office and we bring it over to the sheriff's office is that we do a training that's called fair and impartial policing to where it speaks and we train the officer, the whole deputy, on implicit biases as well as explicit biases. Because we all have biases in that some some things that we see that we may think is hate or prejudice is simply not that. It's just the way that a person was raised. And so if they've been raised and and if they've been in the culture for so long and they practice that and all of a sudden you say that that offends me, they don't feel like they did anything wrong because you have to be able to talk to them and to, and to talk things through to get them to understand that we serve a multicultural society. And so we need to be able to honor and to understand those that we serve. Because if we're going to protect someone, we need to be able to serve them. But we can't protect and serve if we don't understand the culture. Yeah. And, you know, uh, in any industry, any career field, there's going to be bad apples. Absolutely. And, um, you know, uh, fair or not, police officers, just like, you know, teachers and firefighters and politicians are held to a higher standard. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's just how it is. It kind of comes with the territory. It's it's what you're used to. It's, It's what you expect when you're a police officer or a sheriff's deputy or a marshal or anything like that. So, you know, um, with that said, when you see, 
you know, um, a deputy, a police officer taking an action that maybe is appears racist or appears like they're out of line and they're using, you know, their weapon when they don't need to. Uh, does that make you angry? Does that, you know, because like they're, they're kind of sh- shining a light on all law enforcement. It does. It, it does. Because even if, if it happens in Minneapolis or Atlanta, it still, it still brings on a judgment that, that that will cause people to look at even those around them that had nothing to do with it that they put us all in the same jar they judge us all the same way when we are not that you look at that situation and you deal with that situation but yes it makes me angry because when I see that type of behavior that they are ruining it for everybody and people will hold law um, law enforcement teachers um, the media, they hold us in clergy to a much higher standard yeah. when they don't realize that we're still human and we have emotion and we all fall short through, you know, sins. And so we all make mistakes, but in the field of law enforcement, we can't afford to make those type of mistakes that can ruin the whole profession, and that's why it's so important that we have the spiritual fortitude and the courage to stand up and say, "Look, this is this is not right. This is an isolated incident. We're going to stand with you against this officer because we all feel that he or she did something wrong." But now, just because they make that they may shoot or um, or or kill someone, doesn't mean that they did anything wrong because we are tasked to make split-second decisions and until someone has worn the uniform and understand what it's like to be shot at I've been shot at I've had a guy to unload a gun on me all I could do was see fire coming from the gun but I couldn't fire back because I understood that whatever left my whatever left the chamber of my gun and went through that barrel if it hit an innocent person I was liable for that and so I wanted to make sure that even though I had a threat, if there were other people behind him, I could not fire. And so, but today is totally different because you were, because you are a judge, but that had to deal with maturity and, and training. And I think that a lot of people that wear the uniform are sometimes scared of different areas that they're in. Although I was in one of the roughest areas in town but that was the side of town that I grew up in. So I knew people in that area. So I felt comfortable where I was, but it was still dangerous. Yeah. So, but, you know, but we have to look at every situation for what it is. Were you a police officer? I mean, how, were you yeah. badly injured? And- no, no, I was not injured. I just had a guy to unload a gun on me and I had just arrested his brother, I believe for trafficking and um, cocaine. And I forget what the other, with other charges, but I had a bunch of felonies on them, and so this was a younger brother, and and um, but although that because it happened so fast, he was in he was on the side of a building next to somebody's house um, apartment rather. I didn't see him. I saw the gun, but we found the guy that I strongly feel that was doing the shooting. We found him hiding in the woods. But because I did not see him, my conscience would not allow me to say that that was him. Because although as much as I wanted to say that it was him, my 
spiritual side of me was saying, look, if you didn't see him, you would be lying to say that that was him. And so a lot of people wanted me to say that that was him. That was, he was sweating. He was wet. Um, could it have been him? Probably 99.9% it was him. But it was still that little fragment that I could not say that that was him if I went into a courtroom and had to raise my right hand and say it. That I'm telling the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Yeah, and in mm-hmm. dangerous situations like that, Absolutely. when your when your life is on the line, as law enforcement put their lives on the line every day, with that kind of incident, does that um, change your perspective on life? Does it change your like strengthen or you know maybe challenge your faith in, in the midst of that um, incident? That's just I'm sure frightening. Well, you know, it was. It was life-changing. I've had a lot of um, traumatic incidents to happen over over my 31 years of service. And I've seen a little bit of everything. And uh, But as, as far as my faith, um, I try to exercise my faith every single day. And that's what makes it strong. Because if you don't exercise your faith, you can have faith. But if you don't work out that faith, it's sort of like working out your body. The more you work work out, the more you can carry. The more you work out, um, you know, if you're running a race, um, the longer you can run, the more you can endure. And and so that's why faith is always important because you never know when you got to use it, but you should always exercise it. And that's one thing I definitely, you know, respect about you, uh, not only, you know, as a member of law enforcement, as a sheriff, but the fact that you, you know, um, share your faith on social media, you, you are unashamed about it as, as I am as well, but it's, but to be able to be at the position you're at and to not be afraid to talk about Jesus, to talk mm-hmm. about prayer. So what would you say to folks that maybe, you know, that are listening and they're Christian or whatever faith system they are, and, um, you know, they think, well, it's awkward to share my faith, or it's like, it's not something you can just like randomly bring up in a conversation, or mm-hmm. like if I say it, somebody's going to think I'm crazy. You know, that's kind of what people yeah. are scared about. So how would you tell people about you know, how to be a bold Christian and, and, and walk that out. Well, I think that one of the things that we have to understand that we have to be proud of our Heavenly Father. We have earthly fathers that we are proud of, that we want everybody to see, everybody to know that when we're at a baseball game and our parents show up that, you know, we want to do our best and, you know, it makes us feel good. But if we, under, if we understand the grace of our inhale and our exhale, that is provided by the grace of our Heavenly Father. And so Jesus says that if we are uh, if we are ashamed of him, that he would deny us before the Father. And so we don't want Jesus to be embarrassed of us. And so therefore, we should always be open about our faith. And one way that you can tell the people that you need to be around is once you start talking about faith. Do they want to change the subject? Or they're not comfortable. And that's why the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, that, you know, is that bad association corrupts good habits. Your association, even though that you can say that you're in the midst of friends, but if you can't bring up faith to your friends, or if your friends are not talking about faith, you may need to look at changing some friends. Because when Christians um, or people of faith can get together to encourage one another, you can have church that way. 
And so, and that's why I don't have a lot of people that I associate with. My uh, my best friend is my wife. Um, my other friends are my children. I have some friends that I that I deal with through work. But you know, but the main thing is my faith, and because they they know my faith, they know that I'm open about my faith. And for me, one of the worst disappointments, and I even almost get emotional talking about it, is making sure that I don't disappoint God. Is making sure that I don't disappoint my heavenly Father because I know what God has done for me. I know how far He's brought me, um, and I know that He's with me. The those in my command staff would tell you that I say all the time, they look at the progress that we've made, and I say, the Lord is with us. I tell them all the time, the Lord, God is with us. Just trust the vision that he's given me, he's with us. We could not make the impact that we make with, with a handful of people to do the work that we do. And I tell them all the time, that's not Greg, that's God. Yeah. And you were talking about, you know, um, your family, you and Angela have three sons. Mm -hmm. So how important was that to, to, to bring them up in, uh, in faith and that they, mm -hmm. you know, know God? I mean, they're going to make their own decisions as, you know, as, as they get older um, and, and choose their own paths. But I guess you can, you can lay groundwork right. as, as father and mother. Right. They're going to make their <laughs> own decisions and, and they're going to make mistakes. And one of the worst things that I think that you can do is to shove faith down a young person's um, throat. You establish your faith and to allow them to see your faith. You talk with them about faith. You do um, Bible studies. They follow my posts on social media. They see see me pray. They see the mother pray. Um, and so the main thing is making sure that we raise them up to know God, but to also to fear God. And although that my two oldest, one is 21 and my oldest is 27, my youngest is 14, he'll be 15 soon. But to make sure that they understand where the help comes from. And my 21-year-old, he's a, he's a deputy sheriff. He's walking right in my shoes, the same <laughs> college I went to. He went to graduate. I never knew that he would get into this field. But he wants to be so much like his father and but that's why I have to pray over over him because where he is at 21 I was not at the same place he's so much advanced than I am but my father um you know was not in my life the way that I'm in my son's life and so that makes me feel good as a father but but for him to send me bible verses in scriptures almost daily because when he was going through things I was trying to teach him son you have to allow time to be your best friend but when you deal with time you have to deal with someone that that surpassed time God so he knows the beginning he knows the end and so allow God to be God and not to force what you want to happen for you to try to make it happen because you can't lean to your own understanding allow God. And when he started to see things that I was doing, when I would go through things, he would see things in the media and things of that sort, you know, um, you know, and he would say, well, dad, I know that that's not true. And I say, it doesn't matter if you think it's true or if it's not. I said, let God be God. And I said that the Bible says that God will prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. And when he's seen God deliver me 
from things um, that he was close to that only I would share with my wife um, and my family that he saw the movement of God. He, he, he saw that how God would move in my life and he desires that for his life. And, and, um, you know, but I have three sons and they all have different personalities. Um, but when it gets down to it, that they all revert back to their faith. That's great. And, and you, so you've been through this a few times. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> you have, um, one more teenager left, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Right. In mm-hmm. the house. So, uh. absolutely. <laughs> and, I mean, and, and they all have three different personalities. My oldest son, um, he's, he's big on the sheriff's office and me, but he's not big on the perception of police Yeah, overall uh, because of some of the things that he's seen nationally. Sure. My middle son um, understands law enforcement now. My um, my youngest son is just, they're all, my youngest is my, you know, he's a, he's a mother's baby, but he would tell people that he's a daddy's boy, <laughs> um, you know, and so, so, but one thing about it that I'm so grateful that my kids are very, very close. They're not close in age. Um, my oldest is 27, 21, and then 14 going on 15, but, <laughs> but they're all close. And that's what makes me feel good that if anything ever did happen to me, that I know that I've raised my sons up well enough to know that they will take care and they will love e- each other and help provide for the other. Yeah, and, and it's great you're able to kind of like uh, to mold them in the faith over the course of mm-hmm. years. Um, and, and speaking of kind of molding in the faith, um, you know, you've dealt over the course of three decades in law mm-hmm. enforcement, a lot of criminals, mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, victims and families. So, you know, with, with the criminals, when you interact with them, whether you're making an arrest or in jail or wherever else, you're with them. Um, are they receptive to talking about faith? Is that something that is is you're able to do, or, or deputies or, or police officers are able to do? Um, or is that it was? I mean, I don't know what the, no, what the rules no, are. No, no, I, I, I want them to go as far as they can go um, as it relates to faith. We we have a director of religious affairs that we've never had before, but I want to make sure that even at the inmate level that their spiritual needs were made. Um, but, but our director of religious affairs, not only does he pray and, um, and deal with the faith piece at the jail, but he deals with it within. And so my chief deputy is a pastor. Um, his assistant is a pastor. We have other pastors that work within the sheriff's office. And so it's good to always have um, people that can cover you in prayer. Now, was it designed that way, or did I know that it would turn out that way? No, but that's just the way that things happen. But one of the good things that that I like seeing is that in my older days of policing that I've arrested a lot of people, but when I see those people that I've arrested in the past and they come on my Facebook page and they say that, you know, that, hey, I appreciate the way that you did things back then. You never mistreated me. And they start to comment on the things that they see with with my faith. That lets me know that that lets me know that I've done something right. Because not that I want them to see me, but I want them to see the Christ in me. Because if they can see Christ, then that gives them hope. Yeah. And do you think that you know? I mean, you're uh, part of your job as a sheriff. You're in charge of the, the one of the, the local jail. Mm-hmm. And do you think that? 
if faith is not a part of that, if faith is a, a missing piece of the rehabilitation, mm-hmm. will there truly be rehabilitation? Will they come out a, um, a different person, or will they just go and do another crime and end up back in jail again? Well, you know, what what I'm hoping to accomplish, in which I realize that, you know, is that I can't have church in the jail, but if spiritual needs are met, that people can be transformed, that they are reformed, um, you know, when they go to prison or jail, but they are transformed with Christ. And I believe that when I first took office, before I took office, I concentrated everything from the government center to the jail, to every atmosphere, every inch of everything within the authority that God has given me. And I want to make sure that their spiritual needs are met. Um, we had an incident to where we even had to take Bibles out of the jail, but we had to take Bibles out of the jail because we had people that were tripping sockets to just smoke and anything with paper in it, they would smoke and even the Bible. So we had to make sure that we had the Bible that they could, um, access it electronically. Yeah. You know, because, you know, even in the midst of that, I would, you know, I hate to see someone deface or to defame the word of God. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, but, you know, but those things happen. And, but I think that jail, that even if it's jail, that you can provide a good environment. And when you have whatever your faith is, meaning being a Christian, mine is, you know, mine is Christ. And so, but whatever their faith is, is that we want to be able to move them in that direction because faith, um, no no matter what their faith is, is that faith allows people to be better at what they do. Yeah. Well, maybe they're reading some scripture mm-hmm. while they're using the, 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 the paper uh, for smoking. Who Absolutely. knows, right? Yeah, you no, no, no. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Definitely not doing oh, that. Oh, no. They're not doing that. They're not doing that. They're not doing that. Uh, <laughs> they're not doing that. But, uh, you know, I mean, but it has been a... Um, it's been a good experience as being sheriff thus yeah, far. Absolutely. And one last thing I want to talk to you about, and, mm-hmm. and part of the challenge of, of, of this job and for police in general over the last two years, and for all of us really, mm-hmm. is this COVID-19 pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's affected staffing pretty much virtually every field, every place. Um, uh, people are, you know, uh, whether they're leaving the job or whether they're getting COVID and, and some have, you know, you've dealt with people that have passed away that mm-hmm. have been a part of the force. So, um, you know, and, and some people say, well, why would God allow something like this to happen? So, uh, how do you look at it now? You've, you're walking through this and, and have, have lost loved ones and friends and coworkers, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and we're, we're hopefully it's going to be a better year, hopefully 2022. Right. Um, I look at things that, although that when you see loved ones and friends that are taken out of our midst and that we, you know, but it, you know, it gives me great hope to know that absence of the body is to be in the presence of the Lord and that that even if God takes something away that he's the taker of life but he's also the giver of life and these things although that as bad as they are that as a person of faith I understand that God is the beginning he knows the beginning and he knows the end but you know, in the middle of that, I know that when he says something, 
it has to happen. So a lot of things that we see are prophetic things. And these things have to come, they, you know, they have to come to pass. And so although that they may pass, but God leaves us memories of people, um, you know, that he doesn't just take things from us and it's just gone. And so that's why it's so good to always hold on to those memories that you can cherish. Um, so I don't, I don't look at it as a bad thing. I know that we all have a, a appointment one day um, that I tell people that I'm not ready to go, but I always have my bags packed. Yeah. And so, you know, um, because when that time comes, and that's why um, I'm so um, busy about doing what thus says the Lord, because if I'm busy in doing things that are wholesome and wholesome and decent, that I want God to, you know, just just like Jesus mourned when his friend Lazarus died, you know, um, I think that I think that God does that uh, for his children. Um, I believe that because God is a God of emotions. He understands death. Um, you know, he lost his only begotten son and to and to understand even that um as God being our father because I was just thinking one day and I'm thinking you know what and I almost started crying because I was like man God watched Jesus go through all of this and before Jesus had never gone through any physical yeah. he didn't know what physical pain was he knew what emotional pain was but nothing physical yeah. And for him to know what he was getting ready to bear for the whole world, I better understood why Jesus would go off and pray. And even even he yeah. said, let this, can yeah. this cup pass from me? Oh, know? yeah, absolutely. Because he knew the pain um, that he would endure was like no other pain. But he did that for the whole world. And so this is why I'm so grateful for even just my just just my time and my dash of being being here on this earth and I think that we should all value life. I think that we should all value the giver of life and to understand that although that we're on this earth but God designed us with with destiny and purpose. And so we need to make sure that while we're here on this earth that we're living out our purpose. And our and our purpose is to come to know God, to accept Christ and to be in relationship with God so that when things do happen, when we do leave here, that there is another plan for our lives. Yeah, because we're here in I a mean, short, short amount of time. Absolutely. So, And I know you talk a lot about prayer on your social media and, and something that you're very active with. So uh, I, I usually like to close out the podcast mm -hmm. with prayer. So sure. if you don't mind, sure. I'd love for you to pray for us. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> uh, God the Father, we come to you right now, Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, Father God. First, we just want to thank you. Lord, for waking us up this morning. We know that there are many around us, Lord God, that did not wake up, Father God. We pray, Father God, that you are with those families, that you strengthen them, Father God, that you cover them, that you give them a peace, Father God, that goes beyond all human under uh, human understanding. Father God, we thank you right now for this podcast. We ask that you bless our brother in Christ, Jason Dennis, for for the work that he's doing, Father God. We ask that you strengthen him and his family, Father God, in these difficult times. We ask, Father God, that you be with those that are hungry. We ask that you be with those that are 
uh, thirsty, Father God, for your word. We ask that you be with the poor, Father God. We ask that you forgive us of our of, of our sins, Father God. And we ask, Father God, that you allow us to forgive those that trespass against us, Father God. Father God, we ask that as we leave this place that we don't leave your presence, Father God, but we ask that you will always be a center part of our life, Father God. And we thank you so much for your, your son, Jesus Christ, Father God, for he died for the world, Father God, and without Christ we would not be here, Father God. So we thank you for your love, Father God. Uh, we thank you for being the best Heavenly Father and the best Father that we could ever know, Father God. We love you and we adore you, Father God. We give you the honor and we give you the praise on this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you very much, Sheriff Countryman, for uh, spending some time with us today and sharing about uh, faith and law enforcement and race and, and everything else. So we appreciate your, uh, your openness and uh, wishing you the best and pray for the safety of you and all your officers and, your, Thank and you. your family and in the midst of Thank this. You. And uh, we're going to, uh, you know, the best is yet to come in 2022, right? Absolutely. Amen. Uh, right. Appreciate Thanks that. And we were talking about how Greg Countryman, the sheriff, is, you know, out, outward and, you know, bold about his faith on, on a really a daily basis. Uh, so just recently posted on, on Facebook, as he does regularly, he says, Lord Jesus, give us with the spiritual courage to boldly speak to others. And he also says, uh, just wrote this uh, in the most recent post, Heavenly Father, thank you for gracing me with another day. May all I do in this day be pleasing to you for your glory in Jesus' name. We thank you uh, to him for uh, being open and honest with us and and uh, also closing us in prayer. And uh, we're closing now with uh, some of our final segments, some inspiration from MLK, and also uh, more about uh, how law enforcement and faith merge. In our Food for Thought segment today, uh, you know, we were talking about police, and uh, there is a uh, uh, something about law enforcement and faith leaders participating in Community Outreach Weekend. This is a story from the Georgia Public Broadcasting. Uh, this was the second annual National Faith in Blue Weekend that happened uh, last October in cities all across the Peach State and really across the U.S. It's called National Faith in Blue Weekend, collaborative initiative between law enforcement and faith-based organizations. There's outreach events hosted by local churches. Uh, the idea is to improve relationships, break down some of those biases uh, about law enforcement and the communities they serve. More than 200 events in Georgia over the weekend, from food drives to block parties to basketball tournaments, and then more than 2,000 events taking place across the U.S. in 46 states. They said the purpose uh, of the mass effort to remove that fear and enable local communities and law enforcement to experience one another's humanity. I love that, the, the experience the humanity, because uh, none of us are perfect. We all fall, fall short, as Sheriff Countryman said. And our parting gift today, as we celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., um, you know, it's been uh, more than 50 years since his assassination in 1968. Um, he was a, an amazing activist, prominent leader in the civil rights movement, a pioneering African-American, but also a wordsmith. He, he, he really had a way with words. I mean, we know that some of the famous quotes and the, the I have a dream speech, but I found one that was really interesting. Um, you know, we talked on the last few episodes or really many of the, you know, 94, 95 episodes we've done on Run the Race about hope. Um, and so Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, we must accept finite disappointment, 
but never lose infinite hope. So no matter what you're going through, always hold on to that hope, and and God will give that to us. Even when we don't feel it, uh, don't have those emotions or feelings, He'll give us the hope that uh, there is a better tomorrow. And I uh, thank you so much for uh, choosing Run the Race. You can go to WTVM.com slash podcast and listen to any of the previous episodes. And uh, we've got some uh, great inspiration uh, coming up for you as well as we talk about uh, faith and fitness. Um, in this new year, hard to believe, 2022 is already um, several weeks old. And I uh, hope uh, you had a great start so far. And uh, blessings to you and your family as we continue to go through some, you know, this pandemic and some rough times that that you will have hope as well. God bless.